It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. there film lovers welcome to film sociology a film talk show here on wfyi hd2 the point and wfyi.org if you have a question or a comment you can email me at m that's m s o c e y at wfyi.org i'm also on facebook also on twitter at matthew Sosi. the show is available as a podcast it's also available on itunes and we have a blog which someday we'll update at filmsociology.tumblr.com joining me in studio today joan heimbrook working the board hello joan Good afternoon. Good to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. We are also here known as Kobe's Radio Parents. Yes. Even if he's not here, he's still our son. I miss him so much. We miss Hi, him. <laughs> yes, and also somebody who's so we have some guests and actually we have a guest of course who who has his own intro. Joan, can we get to <laughs> can we get to Mr. Hart's intro please? Oh, certainly. It's called Hart's Intro. Yeah. <laughs> It's called Inception. Brian Hartz is here. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Now, now, of course, yes, we, we, we know Hans Zimmer did not actually do that p- particular piece of music. However, he feels that intro is still not long enough. <laughs> that's right. So, Eric, Erica, that's what you got. That's what you got to strive for. Oh, I shall. <laughs> so, also joining us in the studio is Erica Varker. The, besides two, two of my favorite people. Yes, you you made the list that fast. Um, duh. Uh, but anyway, they are also two actors that are in a production of Equus that is opening next weekend. So give us a little info on. Uh, well, we'll get to we'll get to the horsey st- story, but give us the logistics on where, when, and all that. Sure, uh, it's uh, Equus produced by Casey Ross Productions. Hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. And uh, it's opening July eighth at Grove House in Fountain Square, which is a nifty little uh, concert and uh, theater venue. Uh, that's uh, right on uh, Virginia Avenue. Uh, and it's running for three weekends, uh, the uh, uh, July 8th and then the next uh, following two weekends. Uh, we'd love to see you there. At, Friday at, and Saturday at 8, Sundays at 5. Well, there you are. Uh, and uh, tickets are available at Brown Paper Tickets, and uh, you can find Casey Ross Productions on Facebook as well. And it's fun for the whole family if your family is associates. Well, all and right probably then. the hearts is really <laughs> well. You know, uh, th- this is actually the third time I've done this show, so my family is actually relatively familiar with this play. Really? Yes. Have you played the doctor each time? No, no, I have. Did not. you get naked on stage? And no, no, I did not do that either. <laughs> no, I didn't even look seventeen when I was seventeen. So, no, I never played the kid in the show. And uh, I suppose some context is necessary, which we'll go <laughs> at some point. But, but we're going to no, keep you hanging because no, it's the film show. That's right. That's right. And we can talk about the film if you want. But, well, we'll you know, no, why? we'll get to that. Okay. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, but well. no, um, opening in theaters this weekend. I, I wish we got we got to go through some of this. Uh, of course, there's uh, if, if you don't want to go to the multiplexes, our kind of traitor is open with uh, Ewan McGregor, Stalin Skarsgård, Damian Lewis, and Naomi Harris. Um, the Purge, I, I'm not watching this film because, well, I haven't seen the first two. And I'm afraid I'm going to miss the subtle nuances. Plus, they don't have any bloody mask of President Garfield. So, Aww. you know, that's I think that's kind of a, no, wait, a letdown. There's a, there's a 
there was already one sequel to The Purge, and now this is the second sequel? Oh, yes. I'm behind, I guess. No, you're not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then op- also opening in theaters is The Legend of Tarzan. I don't think Glenn Close's uh, <laughs> voice is used in this one. Um, I, I let, you know, she could over uh, Margot Robbie, but I don't think so. What but about and isn't Lambert? another Skarsgård in that? Um, you know, I'm not it's sure. One of the yes. other Skarsgård no, is Tarzan. Is so. is oh, oh, that's right. No, it actually, is. I would like to see Stellan Skarsgård as Tarzan. That would be <laughs> that would be kind of cool. They've I been want ma- now the third uh, movie has to also star as Skarsgård. So we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> no, I like that because that, no, okay. So if you have Stellan Skarsgård, who is his older, been married for a long time, Jane? It could be like Robin and Marion, only in the jungle. Oh yeah. Who? Uh, Julianne Moore? <laughs> that's not bad. Um, mm-hmm. We'll work Catherine on that. Catherine Keener. <laughs> Oh, I like that. Hey, there you go. See, that's all right. It's so kind of a, a, a smart, sassy Jane with yes. with funky glasses. <laughs> so there you go. So anyway, uh, Warner Brothers, you know, give us a credit. We'll take that. Um, we saw none of these, but Joan, however, uh, <laughs> has, has taken the lead, and she got to see uh, the BFG, which, by the way, don't look it up in the internet, but it actually stands for Big Friendly Giant. Yes. In this, now if Spielberg made that movie, that would be different. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I. I I was pleasantly surprised. I had the choice of Tarzan or See, the BFG. I thought you would go for the chiseled I guy in the, the loincloth. I picked the ears over the abs is what I did. <laughs> That's what I did. Wow. Um, because, yeah, the BFG has some, some pretty large ears. But I will say it was it was better than what I expected. It was very visually stunning. The music was John Williams, so you could go strictly for the soundtrack, and it would be beautiful. It, it's a great it, – it's great just for that. Um I guess if I were to steal one of the words from the BFG, I would say the movie was delumptuous. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. Uh, you've, you've heard some Mark Rylance dialogue in the last couple of weeks promoting this film. So, And uh, I know Mr. Williams, one of your guys. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, you know, uh, Symphony on the Prairie has a John Williams weekend coming up uh, in, uh, I think, the, the third weekend of July. I believe so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. so. We'll I'm, be I'm, missing it because we'll be performing uh, that, well, yeah, that's, that's That's showbiz. So. Go and yeah. tape it for us. No, we don't <laughs> do that here. Why would you even bring up bootlegging? We don't bootleg here at Films. We don't bootleg here at Films. And you can't buy it on East or West Washington Street. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Those who laugh know what I mean. Um, so anyways, but so it was funny because I, I heard a few reviews that at the time Spielberg was making E.T., mm-hmm. this was the book, the Roland Dahl book, that he was reading to his kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess better late than never. It's been a while since uh, he's done a, a boy and his – or a child and his giant in this case. Right. Um, and, uh, of course, I, the, the, for me, the big thing is that Mark Rylance gets a starring role. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, sort of. I, well, okay. So I think – well, yeah, it's true. I, I, I'm sure the check was not above the title, but it's still his still a leading role for him in his case. And, of course, Rylance has gotten a lot of press in the last few years because apparently he stole Stallone's Oscar. Not true. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it was fun. I've been reading up on him a little bit more because it, it, to use a phrase in the sports world, working guy, working class, blue collar, you know, classically trained guy who just works. It doesn't matter if it's stage. doesn't matter if it's screen. doesn't matter if it's television. He just likes to work. <laughs> so, um, so I like that. In fact, I just read a piece that he – Turned out he was 27 and he was offered a role in Empire of the Sun and turned it down so he could tour with the national company for a year. Oh, wow. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, and well, he's now also he's, now he's got two Spielberg roles under his belt. Exactly. <laughs> and and now he's you know and and you it because he was before this and still kind of is a classic capital T capital G that guy. So uh, Joan, could we go through his IMDb and go see if we recognize some of his work? Well, of course, Bridge of Spies. Everybody would recognize. That's what he got that's, best supporting actor for, uh, of course. Yep. And Wolf Hall as well. Um, he he was in Wolf Hall. Mm-hmm. It's a miniseries, but people right. would recognize him from that. Um, Days and Nights, uh, Twelfth Night, Nocturne. The other who do you play in Twelfth Night? Um, Twelfth Night. Uh, <laughs> it says Olivia. Is that That's right. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that correct? That was from a few years ago. Yep, yeah. yep. Because he was the uh, he was the artistic director of Shakespeare's Globe Theater mm-hmm. in London for quite some time. Oh, see, there you go. Uh, yeah, and he did that. At, he did that production at Blackfriars. Be- and and uh, because he can. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Nice. The other Boleyn girl is another that that you would um, okay recognize. And uh, uh, intimacy. Uh, 
let's see, angels and insects. I mean, it goes all the way back to Oh, that's, that's late this. 80s that's, Patsy Kinsett. That's yeah, not bad. Yeah, that, that goes all the way back. So uh, it goes all the way back to, uh, you know, TV movies to 1985. So okay. I think people would, would recognize uh, a lot of his work if they were to take a look. Very cool. So and so, you're you're recommending BFG? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, also I saw that that uh, Bill Hader was one of the voices. He was the bloodletter, the the or Bud Got Blood Gottler, I think is what it was, and uh, one of the the mean giants who eats the beans, which are beings. <laughs> right. So anyway, and then um, you know I'm a big Downton fan, and uh, Penelope Wilton was also in it as ah. the queen, which was kind of a surprise. Of course. Nice. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was very whimsical. It was different. I was a little bit familiar with the book. It was, uh, and I know there's been some criticism because the book is a little darker than the movie. Yeah, Mr. Dahl um, tended to yes, be that way. Yes, yeah. he, was, he was pretty dark. But I think visually, because it is kind of in your face and very giant, <laughs> I think for kids especially, uh, if you're taking your family, it might be a little too scary if they were to take it too close to the book. So I, I thought it was uh, very visually stunning. The music was wonderful. Uh, I I truly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Okay, very so. good. So that is out there. Uh, Joan, can we go through the drive-in section, please? Uh, sure. It just clicked up. Uh, there you No, I already had it pulled up. Right there. Right there at the bottom, see? Right there. No, <laughs> no. I'm going to come over there. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point, WFYI.org. Brian, could you give the info for Equus once again, please, while I fix this? Equus, opening July 8th at Grove House Theater, Casey Ross Productions. Find it on Facebook. Equus, by the way, spelled E-Q-U-U-S. Two U's together. That's right. Fascinating. Like vacuum. And well, it doesn't happen often, does it? Two U's together in a word. I mean, I vacuum and equus, and that's it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty much. much yeah. yeah, you've exhausted my knowledge of words with two U's together. I'm sure we could think of something. Welcome to not editing and going live <laughs> as humanly possible here at Film Sociology. Welcome to having a blonde producer. That's no, that's <laughs> no, that's for true. A moment, we, for a moment, okay. we uh, we veered into a way with words. <laughs> there you go. See, NPR listener, there like that. Go. So there thank you. Go. And sustaining member. <laughs> he has it tattooed somewhere. So. Okay, actually, before we get to this, because I, I, I don't I can't think I've asked either one of you this. Um, over the years, uh, we have we have two drive-ins, of course, in central Indiana that we can talk about. Oh, and go to uh, go to Nuvo for their cover story this week about Indiana drive-ins, which is a lost art. And every year it's the annual, I'm trying to get my daughter to the drive-in so she can have the drive-in experience. But... Um, Every now and then, and uh, you will get a really odd pairing with with the two films. And generally, it's you know probably something more for the kids and the family in the first feature, and then the second feature they just kind of lump on. Either it's the same studio, it's a similar genre, only darker or weirder, or there's just there's no connection whatsoever. I, I guess I'm asking you guys: Have you ever had that kind of drive-in experience? Oh, I think I probably have. Um, most of mine, I remember being a kid, and my parents would take me to. There used to, there used to be a drive-in in Indianapolis called the Westlake, and that's yep. where they usually mm -hmm. took us. And um, they played a lot of Disney, and so, but it would be all Disney back to back. So I'm trying to think of one where the you know the second movie didn't really match the first one, and I'm not coming up with anything. What about you, Brian? No, I, I, I don't know. I, we are know. so helpful. Surprise double feature, I, I, I don't quite uh, recall anything like that. I do remember going to one um, uh, that only recently closed. It's been within the last 10 years. It used to be on Raceway Road over on the, uh, on the west the side. The Claremont, I think. The right? Claremont, yeah, th there it is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I used to go there a lot with my parents, and uh, I, I dearly loved it. I haven't been to a drive-in since that closed. No pressure. You gotta get BB the experience. Of course. So we'll work on it, Joan. Um, yeah, my my last well, my last drive-in experience was probably taking my kids, and there is one down in Franklin. If you're south, um, there's a, a small drive-in there. Um, 
prior to that, it was probably in high school where we stuffed people into the trunk to get oh, in. Oh, we, we, we don't, uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't do condone that. We don't condone <laughs> <laughs> Or bootlegging, that was, right? That was, that was the 80s. So bootlegging we'll, and yeah. trunk stuffing, no, that's, that's no, what not What is good. this, the 20s? Why do you keep talking about bootlegging? And trunk uh, stuffing. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> For that matter. Yes, that's right. We had a bathtub in the, ba- in the, in the Actually, trunk. Actually, I can remember kind of a funny, now that I think about it, I can remember kind of a funny double feature. I was in high school, um, and the double feature was... Stella followed by Pretty Woman. Oh, the Bette Midler Stella. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's that's for that's apparently ladies only. I mean, I that, guess that. Th- well, well, yeah. That, I went with a date, so how'd that go? Well, we didn't see much of Stella, which was good. <laughs> All right, good for a date. Uh, we saw we saw a little bit more of Pretty Woman. <laughs> so. Moving on. <laughs> what was your first drive-in movie, though? Does, do the, you remember? The one I remember was uh, the West Side Drive-In in Flint, Michigan. And it was, I think it was, the first one was The Towering Inferno. Oh, so it was it Susan Blakey? That, the one that falls through, that that kind of flipped me out as a kid. I think I was five. But oh, seeing, seeing oh the I woman know fall out the window. It was Stephanie from The Bold and the Beautiful. Susan Flannery is the oh, yeah. name. Look at that, and right she there. she was the matriarch of Bold and the Beautiful for a really long time until mm-hmm. very recently, and she like had 25, to be, 27 years. She was Wagner's lover in that film, I right. believe. So, right. yeah, that, that kind of flipped me out. But the, but the second feature was Young Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I wish it had been yeah. the other way around, but yeah. that's that's that not bad. That is the best double feature ever. Well, that's somebody, good. but Towering Inferno is like three and a half hours long. Yeah, so long. Young Frankenstein <laughs> started at like one a.m. Yeah, but I, I think I, somebody here on the show. I wish I'd remember, but they said, and the other thing was, and they don't do it anymore. Was sometimes you would get the main feature. You know, the main feature would just come out, and they would throw an old title as the second part, whether it's the drive-in or the movie theaters back when they had double features. But I remember somebody, I guess because it was Dudley Moore, they did a double bill of Arthur and Ten. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's all in the timing, really, I guess, on that one. But uh, anyway, so, but yeah, double features are kind of a lost art as well. So, so Joan, what is, what's happening over at the Tibbs? And we'll, we'll see if these, if these double features connect. Well, yeah, Screen One, uh, which starts at 9.30, that is the Purge election year. And then the second movie at 11.30 is The Shallows. Um, so, okay, you know, suspenseful. Maybe. You know, you got to sit through The Purge to look at Blake Lively in a, a bikini. bikini for 90 minutes. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, you can do that. To me, a third Purge movie should have a subtitle like Still Purging. <laughs> maybe that's Too fast, me. too purging. Yeah. Kobe, Still that's purging. for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, screen 2, they have Independence Day Resurgence and The Conjuring 2. Okay. Yes, sequels. That's, That's great. Yeah. That's both, nobody, both sequels. Yeah, yeah, nobody asked for those. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then these go together. Screen three, you have Finding Dory and the BFG. Yeah, that's good. So that's, that, that's, that, that's for the kids right there. That goes there. together. That right. goes together. Solid. Yeah, screen four, then you have The Legend of Tarzan and Central Intelligence. Okay, Which that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of weird. weird. Actually, we we saw the Sosies went to see Central Intelligence on Monday at, at uh, Emma's insistence. I liked it more than I thought I would. Although I am I am of course, uh, as you guys know, pop culture Atticus Finch. About halfway through Central Intelligence, um, you know Johnson and Hart are good. I'm not as burnt out on Kevin Hart films because I know you know he, he seems to put one out every two months, and I think I've missed most of them. So. That's okay. But I'm watching it, and I'm like, I have to show my daughter the original in-laws. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Because it's kind of the same story. And by the way, it's coming out on Criterion next week. Wow. wow. Yes, it is giving the Criterion's <laughs> treatment well-deserved, well-played Criterion. So th- that's that's not bad. But, yeah, it was. Uh, Emma yeah. actually enjoyed it, as did Lynn. And I think if you wanted to pull a muscle on screen four with Tarzan and Central Intelligence, it could be beat. abs and abs. It really could. Yeah, that's that's it's probably really true. Did you pick that, Joan? No, did I did you, not. No, you didn't. You didn't book that one. <laughs> no, I okay. did not book that one. All right. So, and then uh, what's happening over at the uh, at the t- or Shelbyville? Shelbyville. The next window next to it. There you go. Oh wow. <laughs> ah, okay. Sorry. Uh, that is uh, intense screen <laughs> clicking. It really <laughs> is. Wow. Uh, no one will be seated. Yeah. <laughs> Finding Dory is playing uh, The Dark. Is that? No, that's the 1 a.m. film. What's the? Oh, okay. Uh, Finding Dory is playing. The Dark isn't a movie. It's just the screen is (laughs) off. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then below that? Uh, Captain, Captain America Civil War. Yeah, the kids are supposed to fall asleep by then. Yeah. And then now the thing about Shelbyville is the skyline. This they'll pick something 
like at 1 a.m. that somebody somebody has like one of eight prints left, and sometimes there's stuff I've never even heard of. So what do they got there? That says the dark. Is that correct? Well, yeah. Tell us. What's that, well, it says 4.30 a.m. showtime. Is that correct? No, that can't be. That's, That's got to be what it, it ends. says. Okay. Showing on July 2nd only, 4.30 a.m. showtime. What's the synopsis? Uh, it says, uh, at night, the mangler stalks the streets of Los Angeles, killing and mutilating random victims. On the trail are a TV report, reporter the father of one of the victims, and a police detective. But despite their efforts, only the mysterious psychic, Dorenzi, knows what the killer is and how to stop it. This screams late 70s, early 80s. Who, who's be. in it? Ah, let's see. William Devane. William Devane? Yeah, well, there you go. Kathy oldie. Lee Crosby? And is it Slim Pickens in there? And that? Richard Jackal. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's holy, there you go, holy. folks. Get some coffee and see that. That's 4:30 pretty thirty AM. Yeah. I think it would be more reasonable to actually wake up early rather than stay up. <laughs> so yeah. so the Marines will co see so. this. <laughs> You're gonna need some coffee for and, that. And one. nuns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now I'm thinking, exactly. yeah, I'm thinking of the uh, the wake-up scene in Doubt. Way to go. Very good. That's, that's, <laughs> that's very solid uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. And uh, down in Franklin. Down in Franklin, we have Labyrinth. So, Is that uh, what, this weekend? Sweet. Uh, okay. Did, um, I finally watched that for the first time from start to finish. This was a big deal back then? See, I have never seen it. I think I was a little bit too old for it when it came out. Okay. Um, oh, no. Labyrinth is July 8th and 9th. I'm sorry. No, that's next. No, you're planning ahead. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I just remember when Mr. Bowie passed that I said, you know, David Bowie and I had something in common. We both stalk young Jennifer Connelly. That's, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, I don't think Bowie ever – no way he did these songs live. But uh, anyway, that's out there. And uh, so probably not my demographic. I, yeah, I was about 16 when it came out, so – I was probably too old and too knuckleheaded for that. I was squarely in the demographic, but somehow didn't end up seeing it until I was in my mid twenties. And I appreciate it. I uh, okay. I, uh, I especially the MC Escher group. Yes, um, but uh, the music was definitely not Bowie's strongest work. I think they just uh, asked him to do that. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But, so, uh, what do we got? Uh, it's a lot of fun. What else is uh, happening over at uh, Franklin? Uh, it looks like, uh, of course, next weekend is Labyrinth, and then uh, July 15th and 16th, Ma and Pa Kettle at home. Woohoo! Right. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, and I know, love Ma and Pa Kettle. Really? Yes. I do too, actually. That's a childhood memory. No, that's fine. That's a childhood memory for me. That was on Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was just a, a childhood memory. Could you screen up? I think there's something happening on July 5th. Um, Tuesday night. I right? think it's right July, there. Oh, Land Before Time. Oh, I love Land Before Time. See, I'm planning your weekends right yeah, here. This is how I love part Land of that Before part of that great streak of uh, Don Bluth uh, yes. children's animated movies that are depressing as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always. Were you here for the show? I need to write down when you guys are here and what we talk about. But I, the 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 animated films of the late '70s, early '80s are just. Dark and mm-hmm. sad and, and holy beautiful. cow! Yeah, they are because and I I, I bring it up again because um, Criterion just put out Fantastic Planet. I was just thinking on about Blu-ray. Fantastic Planet when you mentioned that. because there was because in the old days before HBO, at least up in Michigan, and we had a cable channel called K- Channel One Hundred, and it was I think the very first film I saw when we got the cable channel was The Mouse and His Child. Which uh, early or say late seventies, I think it's some of the voices were Peter Ustinov, Sally mm-hmm. Kellerman. I mean, it was it was it was my first introduction to animated films that were not necessarily for kids that didn't involve Ralph Bashke. Dad said, "You're not." Yeah, <laughs> dad's, dad's like, "No, nah, you're not." Line there. I'm not watching Fritz the Cat. Why, Dad? It's rated R. Why, Dad? Not telling you. Um, Did he let you see that The Hobbit? Wasn't that also? That was PG, and I, I was never the biggest sci-fi fantasy guy. Okay. So, I, but I, that was out around the same time. But yeah, you had Fantastic Planet, Mouse and His Child. I remember there was a Raggedy Ann and Andy animated yes, feature. Dee Dee Khan was the boy. That was a little, that was a bit dark and weird. I was sure after that that my toys did in fact come to life, but didn't Anytime try to I murder you. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Fantastic Planet was one. Um, Black Cauldron, yeah. Fox and the Hound. Black Cauldron, which kind of sank Disney's animation department. For yeah, about did. Five or six years. Secret of Nim. And of course, of Nim, that was Don Bluth as well. Yep. The great. very saddest one of all, Snoopy Come Home. Yeah, that was pretty. I mean, even Peanuts went from winsome to heartbreaking. I still think the films aren't that great. I think they were brilliant. Well, I mean, it's not quite Saturday Night Live where they're you know uh, you know the Peanuts specials are brilliant for twenty minutes, 
but stretched out to 90. I'm, like, eh. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie but, in the world. Yeah, I'm that, saying you see that, that movie as a kid, and you know you need to be put on antidepressants because yeah, that song rips your heart out. It does. Yes. Oh, and Watership Down. Yeah, I remember seeing that it's at the Equus, movies. It's and Equus just for being Bunnies. Confused. <laughs> I was so confused by that when I was a little kid. I was like, I guess this is supposed to be a kid's movie, but it doesn't no. feel like one. Dad, what's symbolism? <laughs> <laughs> what's happening? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's – anyway, that's, and look how well-adjusted we turned out. Exactly. <laughs> there is that. I don't have a problem. But that, that Land Before Time is part of the Art Craft Summer Break series. So those are on Mondays, and all the tickets are $5, and you get the kids get a – Free, or that includes a drink and a popcorn. But the so important question cool. is, is the art craft showing the ghost of Mr. Chicken at any point in the coming season? Uh, wow. I don't know. Once Upon a Time, Maybe Barnard in October. Bully Maybe. is coming up mm-hmm. on, on, a, on Monday, the Ju- July 11th. And then you're keeping in your Snoopy theme, uh, Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, is Monday, July 18th. Yeah, that's late 70s as yeah, well. Exactly. Um, you were mentioning Mon Pa Kettle was on television? Yes. Oh, yeah, they used to show them on like Sunday Sundays. Sunday afternoons. Sunday afternoons. Yep. WTTV. Okay. Yes. Channel 7 in Detroit used to have Abbott and Costello movies every mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Like, mm-hmm. first thing in the morning, I would like 7, I would watch that. That counted as educational mm-hmm. TV, right? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Because it was, it was Abbott and Costello and then Hot Fudge, <laughs> the kids' show. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was odd. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, you know what? Let, let's take a short break. And we'll talk about Equus. And yes, we will talk about our favorite horsey films. <laughs> what else would we do? And then we have dead people we like because we don't have time for dead people we don't like. And who knows what else we'll talk about because I love this quartet. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. <laughs> snort and cleared it that's good we'll keep it we welcome back to film Please sociology don't. a film talk show here on wfyi hd2 the point and wfyi.org if you have a question or a comment like god why um go to <laughs> msoci at wfyi.org also on facebook also on twitter here with erica barker as well as brian hartz who are in the production of equus which opens next week um before we get to that we have an update joan has a drive-in flashback Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my first drive-in movie, I was thinking about this just a couple of minutes ago when we were talking, and um, I am, as you know, I'm from a very large family. Yes. And um, I'm the youngest of 10 children, and my oldest sister and her now husband of 40-some years, they had to take the youngest I don't know, five of us to the drive-in. It's like yours, mine, and ours. <laughs> it was awful, I'm sure, for them. But we thought they loved it. And they took us to see Shakiest Gun in the West. <laughs> wow. Don Knotts Connection. Yeah. Don- and, and there was I think there was another Don Knotts movie. What was the one about the fish? Oh, Mr. Mr. Yeah, that was the double feature. And somehow we all knew that instantly. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool. I know. Well, and I think Spangoolie will probably play Ghost and Mr. Chicken when it gets a little closer to uh, to October. Probably so. Wow, that's not bad. Actually, could you go on Spangoolie.com and see what's playing next weekend uh, while we're at that? A sure. um, couple of DVD titles. We're going to get this out of the way because we have, we have Equus Talk that needs to be addressed. Um, if you wanted to see... And I'm sure there are websites devoted to this, and I don't want to look at them. But if you wanted to see Helen Mirren in camouflage, you can go rent <laughs> Eye in the Sky, which uh, came out on video this past week. Also, the last performance of Alan Rickman. So kind of, I guess, a 21st century failsafe, for lack of a better comparison. Uh, Aaron Paul is in that as well. 
Um, so anyway, that is out on what happens if a drone sees something. Do you do you take the shot or do you not? Um, I see you were having technical problems, Joan. It's okay. Uh, also, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, if you want to see Tina Fey. And what, if, what apparently on paper looks more like fish out of water story, but is actually a little bit more than that. So that is out on uh, video. The old titles. And I'm really excited. This is what there are. There are moments. I'm I'm a Blu-ray collector as well as a DVD guy, and there are there are sometimes situations where do I need a second copy of this? And because Criterion has put out Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Might have to double dip. <laughs> See, because because the one that's on because the the uh, well the one that came out on Columbia is pretty good. It is pretty good. And then I have the Kubrick box set, mm-hmm. which of which that is on there. Also pretty good. But now Criterion has dipped their toe into the pool. So I, their, their Kubrick releases so far have been really solid. They have. Uh, Paths of Glory is great. And so, yeah, I think I'm going to have to buy this a second time. Thanks, Mr. Kubrick and Criterion. <laughs> so, and I remember re- the, the review in um, the AV Club of the Onion, because I remember that was Emma's second Kubrick film. First one being The Shining, hashtag family values. Um, but but they talk about in the uh, the review at the uh, at the AV Club was um, an experiment of watching it silent and trying to find the signs that you're watching a comedy. I read that. That was pretty. Awesome. That's pretty, and that's pretty solid. I have not done that yet. I actually in film class a million years ago. That's not. Um, that's not. Wasn't that far. Well, it was like 1989. Okay. We had an assignment to watch Doctor Strangelove, um, and I believe, for whatever reason, she couldn't get the film, so like we all had to watch it, you know, on our own time. Mm-hmm. And I came into the class, and there was like one other person there, and she started talking about how boring and dumb that movie was. And I said, "You're kidding! You didn't find it the least bit funny?" And she said, "It was a comedy." <laughs> wow! All right. So, yeah, and I uh, assume that she did not watch it silent. Or, or did she watch Failsafe by mistake? <laughs> I mean, the rumor is that they didn't tell Slim Pickens that it was a comedy. but that's Which I think is a wise move <laughs> well, yeah. on his part. It's like not telling Frankie Lane that Blazing Saddles was a comedy. There you are. So, well, that's, wow, that's, mm, mm. So, yeah, there is apparently at least one person out there who can watch Dr. Strangelove without realizing that it's a comedy. Maybe they should have kept the pie fight in for this person. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and of course, uh, President Reagan famously, although perhaps apocryphally, uh, asked to see the war room upon being uh, shown into the White House the third time. Never heard that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he kind of did that <laughs> when he wasn't reading Springsteen lyrics. Okay, um, but yeah, that, so anyway, Criterion is now, so yes, ladies and gentlemen, film nerds out there, you're going to have to buy Dr. Strangelove again, because there's going to be items in there that we don't already own, and, and I'm that kind of person, so... Um, flashes of Tommy Lee Jones talking about buying the white album again and then in black. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, um, Joan, what's happening on Spanguli, uh this week and next week? Well, their latest video, because you were talking about this, right. is uh, Abbott and Costello go to Mars. And you were just talking about. Well, yeah, they yeah. are. Because, yeah. you know, so <laughs> long as it's under the universal canon, Spanguli will show anything. And there's uh, nothing wrong with that. So. I didn't even realize there was an Abbott and Costello go to Mars. There's a lot of them. Well, and I think obviously with when I was a kid, they would rotate because it was only once a week. But uh, yeah, I don't know how many of those films those dudes made. <laughs> so anyway, that is out there for uh, this weekend. Okay, um, Equus. I'm really excited that you guys are here. Um, I have a I have a strange history with the play, the play and the film. Um, the and play. By you know, for anybody who's not familiar with it, psychological thriller, big hit in the seventies, uh, written by Peter Schaffer, who also gave Sky us Amadeus, and uh, who also just recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway, no, give us a, give us a rundown. You're on a roll. Well, let's say uh, it's a boy know, and his horse and yes, a doctor. A psychological. <laughs> I don't know if I could exactly call it a thriller, but it's a it's a suspenseful drama uh, concerning uh, the. Journey of a psychiatrist and a young boy who has uh, dis- who has blinded several horses in a extremely disturbed mental state. And, uh, 
So that's that's what it's all about, just for context, which is why we're talking about horses and all that stuff. Right. And I'm his mom. <laughs> er- the, the boy's cur- mom, that is, yes. not my mom. Right. <laughs> that's a different. Erica's currently on her theatrical mom world tour, 2016. Yes. Yes. Last time I was here, I was portraying Gertrude. So you go from Gertrude to now this. Now I'm the mother of a very disturbed horse obsessed boy. I'm so proud. <laughs> Well, it's you know, a very disturbed, <laughs> skull obsessed boy, very obsessed boy. Now we were talking earlier. Now I, I remember, yeah, I, I, I was talking with Brian, and I, I said the alternative title for Equus, of course, is "They Blind Horses," don't they? <laughs> <laughs> also, double feature I don't recommend at all. Nope. Great films, just not in and of themselves. Um, and you're playing the doctor. You're playing the psychiatrist. Yes, yes, I am. So, um, Joan. Yes. Can we click on? I believe we have. I believe it or not, we actually have. Uh, speaking of bootlegging, I think we have a little piece of rehearsal audio <laughs> from uh, from Equus. Oh, this ought to be good. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's that one that says Equus. Let's oh. just okay. I'll take it away. Take it what then? He'd feel himself acceptable. What then? <laughs> Do you think feelings like his can be simply reattached, like plasters stuck on other objects we select? I mean, look at him. Okay, that's My desire that's might be to make of this boy an ardent <laughs> husband, a caring out. citizen, a worshipper of abstract and... Well, Impressive yeah, so. Burton impersonation <laughs> there, Brian. Yeah, isn't it, though? <laughs> yeah, when I, when I heard he was playing the doctor in this, I was like, this, this doesn't incrawl, involve a bottle of vodka and, and love-hating Elizabeth Taylor at the same time. <laughs> uh, no, no, but uh, the, the film was made, uh, you know, when, when Burton was uh, deep into his declining years. It, it was his last great hurrah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, Only a few KCR years later, director. he was in Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Actually, oh, that was yeah. the year before. Oh, was oh, you know what? Because I'm thinking of the play premiered in '73. Correct. Yes. Yeah, the film but, was '77. And uh, but yeah, there was. If you look through Burton's uh, filmography in the, from the late, you know, post uh, Virginia Woolf and <laughs> Tame English Shrew, it's a lot of ooh. yeah. And uh, and that was his last. Uh, Kind of cared. The check was decent, <laughs> and he worked with Sidney Lament. He got a nomination, but uh, and then there was there was stuff after that. But um, <laughs> but this is also a film. So the other thing about Equus, when we separate from stage and screen, of course, is uh, there are no horses in the stage production. It, there's uh, there's some very physical actors, if yes, I remember correctly. Right. So this this film would later have the same uh, same disease that War Horse would suffer. When it went from stage to screen, in, in, yes. In fact, I was talking to Casey. We were thinking, well, we should get just get the rights to War Horse next season. <laughs> just, just keep on that road. If you like the horse from Equus, see them in War Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, way to amortize the costumes, anyway. Exactly. So, how how are the horses represented in this production? Well, uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a mask work. There there are these rather substantial uh, masks uh, worn by some uh, you know, quite physically able. Uh, performers, as well as hooves, which uh, which these these folks uh, have stage hooves. Yes, uh, and uh, they 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 balance on these, so it becomes this sort They're of um, looking. half <laughs> man, half beast, or half woman, half beast. In one case, because we have one female horse as well. Uh, it's a it's a very theatrical. It it evokes uh, you know memories of uh, you know an ancient Greek chorus. That's the idea behind it. Uh, so yes, very theatrically presented horses, and no, we're not talking about the you know pantomime two guys in a horse suit kind of. Uh, it, it's, not of a, it's, <laughs> it's not a minor league ball game. No, it is not. <laughs> they're is not. they're going to look kind of creepy, At, which kinda is the sinister. point. It kind of goes with the show. I mean, the kids kids got some issues. <laughs> kids a magazine rack. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you, you don't just you know blind horses with a spike eh, if you're feeling great about life. That's very true. See, <laughs> words of wisdom. That's why Hamlet should also stay out of the stables. <laughs> Different, anyway. That's all right. So, my my connection with Equus, uh, because again, hashtag family values. Um, when my daughter was two, and we were riding, she was riding the merry-go-round for the first time inside the children's museum. And there's that wonderful moment. She's riding with dad, and Lynn, my wonderful, very patient wife is out you know watching and t- trying to take pictures and of course that was you know when you're two you you will do anything you ask your dad to do so my daughter bless her heart at the top of her lungs screamed ride equus ride <laughs> <laughs> oh boy 
And there's there's a term I like to use called sitcom wife look. <laughs> Lynn gave me sitcom wife look. Um, wah, wah. I can, well, I can just imagine a Marge Simpson like growl as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then later, when whenever Emma wanted a horsey uh, ride from Daddy, Daddy's horse name was Equus. <laughs> so of course it was. <laughs> Of course, the main horse in Equus is not called Equus. I know, but, you know, they, they, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go really in deep for the theater majors there. This <laughs> this segment of Film Sociology brought to you by the Sissy Family Future Therapy Bill. <laughs> My buddy Laura Jansen still does want, still wants to collect money and do mer- at least tele- two telethons a year for my daughter's therapy sessions. So <laughs> that's that's not bad. Also, a show you can't make into a musical, nor there's Equi- there is no Equus Junior being done at Civic. There's just, there's just not. Although there's a classic Onion article about a uh, a class of first graders doing Equus. It's hysterical. Ooh, there you go. Wow. Look, we gotta look yeah. that. Yes. Yep. Look Why that. did you not bring that to the table, Reed? <laughs> oh. I, I guess I figured everybody was astute onion readers already, and I already knew I've, that. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. That's kind of no. okay, Joan's looking I'm for it right it now. It heavy heavy <laughs> keyboard <laughs> clicking. With the with the hooves that the horses wear, we've talked about doing a kick line. If we want to do Equus exclamation point. That's right. The musical. Exactly. The problem is it'll be shot by Richard Attenborough, and it's too many (laughs) close-ups. You you want to see the horse actually being a horse. And it'll focus too much on the main romance and not on all the other characters. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice nice chorus line reference there. I had actually just seen a chorus line at Beef and Boards um, right before the movie came out. Oh, so you could see the whole thing? And so, so yeah, so at the age of 14 or whatever I was, I was able to be the erudite, astute uh, (laughs) critic who, when I saw the movie, when it came on cable, oh, God, the the original is so much better. (laughs) See, I have somebody in my my house who's just like that. (laughs) Who's my little hipster D-bag? Who's my little hipster (laughs) D-bag? It's you, sweetheart. (laughs) Do we have, Joan, do we have uh, Equus Onion News? Uh, Yeah. Again, ladies uh, and gentlemen, this is your pledge dollars at work. (laughs) This is from January 25th, 2006. Newport News, Virginia. Second grade students at Franklin Elementary School impressed parents, teachers, and fellow students with their recent production of Equus on Friday. I, just see, there. I, I mean, joked just about right I joked about doing this to my camp for years, and somebody <laughs> had the audacity to write the joke already. Uh, I'll skip down. Uh, quote, the kids loved it, teacher and director Michael Comerick said. Once they stopped screaming about horses getting their eyes gouged out and realized that it was just a launching point for their more complex ideas about alienation from the modern world, they rolled up their sleeves and dug right in. <laughs> Beautiful. Outstanding. I'm going to have to read the entire article. I'm not sure we're going to be able to compare with those second graders, but uh, we're giving it our all. I, th- I think student discounts for this show is uh, is now a must, really. Really? Just bring them in in buses like IRT for Christmas carols. <laughs> <laughs> you, you must look it up though because the picture is beautiful it's uh it says alan strange kyle keever seven uh prepares a prepares to blind a horse kate piper seven <laughs> and it's it's i'm gonna use the term whimsical again but there it is uh, uh, oddly, that's right My, very oddly joan you're great because you can link the bfg with equus <laughs> I can. that's a soci-esque move if there ever was one yeah. I'm your radio wife, so I'm just going. It's all right. So there you go. That's happening. Nice. So how are the monologues, Brian? You got a lot of them. Yes. Very oddly enough, not as uh, not as difficult to memorize as uh, all the uh, very uh, detective-like scenes Mm -hmm. of interviewing various people about what happened, where half the lines are "Go on," (laughs) and then what happened. Really? Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's a whole lot more difficult to memorize than, you know, a two-and-a-half-page-long monologue. Because you're, you're waiting for them to stop talking, and you sound, we, we want to be natural. Yeah, ex- well, I mean, that's what I do in real life anyway. I'm usually just waiting for people to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and anyway, no, I'm not doing that. So, <laughs> uh, Although uh, yeah, Erica also has a, a, a scintillating monologue. I do. Uh, as, as the mother. It's... Uh, it's it's a it's kind self of a indulgent. It's maudlin and full of self pity. It's wonderful. So Mother's Day, You're basically. T- <laughs> <laughs> mom, you know? Was it was that the what was that the audition piece as well? Uh, well, yes, actually. Now that uh, you bring it up, when I auditioned, she had me read a side or two with Brian. I actually read for Hester as well as for Dora. And uh, then she said, "Okay, is there anything else that you'd like to read?" And I said, "Yes, I would like to do Dora's monologue, please." <laughs> Let me. <edit> this. <laughs> 
with and the story. the rest is history. <laughs> See, really very and, cool. Uh, I'd, I'd be remiss not to give a shout out to Taylor Cox, who is our uh, our very brave uh, young man playing Alan Strang. Really just, well, I was going to say killing it, but maybe <laughs> not. not he's like blinding them. Look at that. <laughs> he's blindingly brilliant. <laughs> Because we care, gang. This is the believe it or not, all the snark means we care. He just he just takes that role and gallops with it. <laughs> okay, I'll stop now. Nay, nay, don't stop. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> see, I thought We've I was been doing this for three weeks. You realize? That's, true. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I think there are the darker the play, sometimes the more fun you have. That really not shouldn't that really shouldn't be shared with people. Um, you know, the time I had with the Holocaust drama Ghetto in college, we had, we had a ball, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> we'll never certain, talk about that. Certain jokes don't leave the theater, but, but this is good. This is See, I, I was, you know, I thought I was going to be uh, serving up some heavy material by asking what your favorite horse film was, but uh, you guys are doing okay. <laughs> so what, Seabiscuit? Uh, you know, Flicka. I'm a big fan of the original Black Stallion. Well, maybe not the original. The one was made in the early 80s. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Coppola produced. Caleb Deschanel. Mm-hmm. Zoe's dad, in case anybody's... Uh, so he was also quirky. Yeah, so. well, uh, yeah, and a terrific cinematographer. Yep. Do you have a favorite horse film? I've been trying to think of a favorite horse film. I don't think I have a favorite. That's National Velvet, my friend Flicka. Not International Velvet. Nobody asked for that. Oh, come on. Tatum, Tatum O'Neill. She asked Tatum for Tatum O'Neill buries young Elizabeth Taylor, okay? I'll just say that right now. How? I'm, With a shovel? I don't mean it. <laughs> it's getting dark again. Yeah, she did. She, I th- I've never heard of this movie, but it See, sounds I, pretty gruesome. Um, it late was, it, 70s. Yes, yes. Okay. Like, you know, 30-some years after the original National T- Velvet. Tatum, some genius decided, you know what would be great? To international. Do international Velvet. And her trainer is Anthony Hopkins. 70s. Oh, Equus. Who played Dysart on Broadway in Equus. See, look at that. It all all ties in together. That's right. Nerd circle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do, because that was, uh, because Tatum O'Neill was still trying to do something other than, you know, she was trying to get past Paper Moon and let people know she's actually a grown-up and, well, growing up. And actually, she did also... A movie with Richard Burton, and she had a nude scene in that. I, she was his very, very, very young paramour. Yeah, it was called Circle of Two, and yeah, I, I own it. Brian, you look oh. utterly horrified. You know, I've, been, I've been rehearsing a story about uh, mutilating animals uh, for the last three weeks, but but the prospect of Richard Burton and a young Tatum O'Neill yeah, it's in a, a love scene. It's a Canadian that that is harrowing. Canadian drama. I think it is also released on video as Obsession, not the De Palma film. Or That's, the fragrance. Or the fragrance. <laughs> but yeah, I think I if I remember right or the eighties pop song. Yeah, I think the uh the Golden Turkey Awards had uh, Ms. O'Neill nominated for most uncomfortable nude scene. She was like sixteen or something. I think. I mean, sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. You're right there. Yeah. No, I. I want to say she was older. I want to think she was. I want to say that was after. I want to say that was after Little Darlings. I certainly hope so. Could you could you click on Ms. (laughs) O'Neill's IMDb once again? Film sociology, your home for hot keyboard clicking action. (laughs) Well, this is this is important for us to know. When did Tatum O'Neill do her nude scene with Richard? And don't Joan go to IMDb, not Mr. Skin. Nobody. No, we don't do that. Here at work. Um, while she's checking that up, um, July twelfth at AMC, well, at Fathom Theaters uh, across the country, they will replay the uh, Rift Tracks live performance. That was also the Mystery Science Theater reunion that uh, happened earlier this week. So the replay will be on July twelfth. I know that off the top of my head because it's your pledge dollars at work. Um, you're right there, Joan. Yeah, you found it. I'm looking. It would be terribly appropriate if the Fathom events did that crew. With the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, <laughs> name play, <laughs> word play here. So uh, I'm looking. Uh, I'm trying to cover for you, John. Well, I, you <laughs> know what, I, well, yeah. Badly, I mean, I'm on this. I'm on this computer, and I really it, it can. Why are you on Style Blazer? <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying to because it was 15 stars who ditched their clothes in bad, forgettable movies. No, don't don't look that up here. Just go to IMDb. IMDb.com, Tatum O'Neill, because, you know, and don't Google image that. We'll lose our no, jobs. Yeah, I know. No, I know. That's what I'm trying no. to avoid. I, I know there. So, yeah. while, okay, while you're looking at that, I'm going to. We can just talk about other Tatum O'Neill movies if yeah. you'd like. 
I'd be out of my depth quite quickly. <laughs> not in not in your pro- purview well, at that time. I wrote my dissertation time. on Tatum O'Neill films, so did you really? Did you? Of course not. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Cece's that good, folks. <laughs> where, where where did you take your film class? Because you you mentioned the film class. You set us up. I've taken film classes a couple of places. Uh, the one that I mentioned before was at IUPUI. That was my first go round as a college student. Um, I came back years later as a non trad student, and that was at Florida Atlantic University because I was living in Florida at that time. Right. And uh, one of my film professors there, I didn't major in film or anything like that, but anytime there was an elective, I would, you know, hop right on doing anything with literature or film. Um, I think his name was Mike Budd, and he actually did. I was so impressed because he did the uh, commentary on the, I believe it was the Criterion Collection of uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Ooh, like that. Look at that. Nice name drop. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. So, uh, Cir- Circle of Two, 1981. Oh, okay. Okay. And, yeah. and Ms. O'Neill. Yeah. Even yeah. farther into Burton's decline. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> the I think our director is... Casey described his appearance uh, at, at, in, the, in the film of Equus as uh, shabby and moist. Oh. <laughs> and that yeah, was yeah. a good film. Yeah. yeah. We're not talking about uh, Absolution or 1984, uh, which I believe was his last film. How old was Ms. O'Neill in 1981? Click on uh, Ms. O'Neill's name. I think. I think she's my age, I believe. So what's the same? Yeah, 1963. So she's 50. Eight, yeah, 18. She was 18. She, all right. So yeah. Sorry, creepy but ethical. Yeah. <laughs> made it made it right under well, the even, radar. There. Even the description, the story of the impossible love between a schoolgirl and a 60 year old painter, oh. just sounds. <laughs> That's a show we're not going to do here. This is me <laughs> saying that we're, no. because there we have done the you know yes guys run Hollywood and and so somebody like Sean Connery had have a film with Catherine Zeta Jones, uh. the the best of the lot, the best of the the non u factor of old guy with young woman was Peter O'Toole and Venus, because there's only one other person on the planet that could have pulled that off, and it was probably Cary Grant, and at that time in the '60s he didn't want to do that. But uh, right. likely not. Yeah. Probably not. So I think I think I think his famous line, whether he said it or not, was I don't want to chase the women. I want the women to chase me so that then you got charade. So there's mm-hmm. that. OK. Um, do we have could you click onto the sound page that's on the screen? I believe we have Christopher Lloyd with uh, uh, <coughs> with, with one of my favorite intros. Uh, no. Dead people we like that one. Yeah. OK. Well, Brian, you do a great Richard Burton impersonation. How's your Christopher no, Lloyd? No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, could you do one of your monologues as Gregory Peck? <laughs> hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if I, uh, if I could pull that off or not. Uh, this, is, uh, this is me trying to cover some airtime. Uh, an impression that's not actually one of my better ones, but, uh, you know, worth a while. How about Sean Connery? Oh, I th- oh, Sean is uh, second nature. Yeah, that's S-H. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can't, can't quite imagine uh, Connery playing. Well, actually, <laughs> both Connery can play a monk and a... Uh, a know, Russian and an Arab. And a Russian and an Arab, and he could probably play a psychiatrist. Or, all right, Harrison Ford is Dr. Dysart. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in my office again, <laughs> Why am I even here? <laughs> this is really, this job's kind of a bummer. Now, this is actually recorded secretly of, you know, Harrison on the set of his latest film. No, no, <laughs> that's, on, that's on the set of every film. There is. <laughs> right. much Why am I here? Movie. Yeah. Do you have it, Joan? Do we yes, have it? I okay. believe we do. Doing our, uh, the annual show of uh, Dead People We Like. <laughs> there's a there's a pretty big one this we week. We don't yeah. have time for dead people we don't like. Yes. It's not called celebrity obits. It's dead people we like. Um, there's a few I want to bring up uh, that, uh, and the timing of this is is odd in my world. Um, a, a few weeks ago, I went to uh, my local library where they have their big uh, book sale, and uh, the, the way it normally works at the Morrison. Library Morrison Reeves Library is uh, you know it o- it's open to the public on Thursday and then by Friday everything is like fifty cents to a buck off depending on the thing and then on Saturday you get a bag for three dollars and whatever you can fill it goes so um, 
I did well. And you don't even have to hide anybody in the trunk. No, exactly. <laughs> so this this did really well. But one of the things that was on my pile of DVDs that I purchased from the library turned out to be uh, kind of interesting timing because Bill Cunningham, the longtime photographer for the New York Times, passed away uh, on June 25th at the age of 87. I believe he worked right up until the day he died. But there was a documentary about him called Bill Cunningham, New York, done by Richard Press. So... This got to the top of the watch pile for timing purposes. This was a guy that, if you uh, if you've ever read the Times, he he did the fashion photography for decades. Whether and he would cover the stuff that would be at social events, but he would also be on his bike in his eighties in a you know blue smock, smock um, and he would photograph. So those famous pages where, for instance, if uh, if a trend at that time was the color orange, and there would be an entire photograph of people on the street wearing orange or red, or in fur, or he talks about the, the famous stories of uh, when it's raining or snowing because people don't care, really don't care about being photographed. They're just going from one place to another. But uh, anyway, it was a fascinating look at this guy's work. He was also one of the last residents at Carnegie Hall. Um, at the time this film came out, which I believe was 2011, 2010, they were moving out the last four residents at Carnegie Hall so they could have more office space. And uh, Cunningham's, Cunningham's apartment was just nothing but filing cabinets. Wow. His mattress, his bed was a mattress on top of filing cabinets. <laughs> um, food and clothes, not important to this guy, was really about the work. So if you get a chance, and I don't know if it's streaming, and uh, you know, because I don't have to, I snagged it from the library, <laughs> Skypoint. Uh, so anyway, I have that. That's uh, that's that's worth checking out. If you are a fan of spaghetti westerns, longtime sidekick extraordinaire Bud Spencer passed away at the age of 86. Um, going through the, the coming thing, he, he was collaborated quite a bit with Terrence Hill. If you know your spaghetti westerns from the 60s and 70s, and super fuzz. Very good, exactly. <laughs> see, see, love her. Um, Starting going, probably the first thing of it, he was he did his first film was in 1950, but really when the spaghetti western craze started to happen in the late 60s, uh, post Leone, films like God Forgives I Don't, great title, <laughs> Beyond the Law with Lee Van Cleef, he was in Ace High with Terrence Hill and Eli Wallach. Um, you know, other titles, which I would love to find out the Italian translation of Today We Kill, Tomorrow We Die. Um, the I'm five sure it sounds magnificent. Probably, but not seven. <laughs> um, the five man army with Peter Graves because they couldn't get two more guys. Uh, Boot Hill with Terrence Hill and Woody Strode. He was in the Trinity series. They call me Trinity. Trinity is still my name. A reason to live. A reason to die with uh, James Coburn. Uh, Watch out, we're mad with an exclamation point. Crime Busters. You mentioned Super Fuzz, of course. Um, but yeah. Big, big comedic sidekick. So a big, big shout out to Mr. Spencer on that. And then uh, Michael Herr, who was an author and uh, but, uh, in the cinematic world, uh, wrote the narration to Apocalypse Now and also collaborated on the screenplay version of Full Metal Jacket, which wow. got a nomination. So he also did the narration screen uh, script writing for Francis Coppola's adaptation of John Grisham's The Rainmaker from 1987. So... Nice work there. So now you have a bunch of old titles you can worth checking out. Erica, how is your how is your spaghetti western uh, history? I don't really know a lot about them. I, I'm sure Brian knows a lot more than I do. I know that I love the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not particularly well versed in anything beyond Leone. I'm, I'm sad to say. We'll have to get on that. Car we, we will have to get because this will this will cleanse your palate after Equus. I think a nice dirty Sergio Carbucci. Hey, you know, uh, well, Django. That, that, that sounds fine. Because no matter who's directing it, you know Ennio did the score, and that's always a good thing. Pretty much. Well, and anyone who likes Ennio Morricone needs to hear the score to Yojimbo if they can get their hands oh, yeah. on it. I just discovered because, that. Yes, online. and that's and cool. he sent me a YouTube clip, and um, I had the thought, wow, you know, this sounds, it makes me think of a spaghetti western. And he said, well, actually, you know. Yep. <laughs> Which, go. by the way, go find your own copy. Um, we don't bootleg around here. That's, uh, <laughs> or else Lars Ulrich could just yell at us. And you don't want that. No, you don't want that at all. But what so. did you said? Yojimbo was um, the basis for which fistful, fistful of, dollars. of dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which, which I actually did not know, or if I knew it at one time, I forgot the information. And also the somewhat forgettable uh, uh, Bruce Willis gangster movie Last, Last Man which I think is a little underrated. Oh, a yeah. little underrated. Uh, directed Where do you by stand Walter on Hudson Hawk. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know people kind of like that film, ironically. I do not. So um, 
you know, it's, it's, Last Man Standing was directed by Walter Hill. And speaking of Walter Hill, there is a great piece in the Onions AV Club. It's, it happens uh, every other Friday, but it's called A History of Violence. And they, yes. they study an action film of a particular year. And this week's installment from 1980, The Warriors. Ah. Great score. And uh, anyway, uh, but The Last Man Standing, music by Ry Cooter. So it can't be all bad. So, um, Joan, I think, do we have time for words to live by? We have time. We, we always, we should have time for words to live words by. to live by. Final words. It's right there. Closing words. Closing words. We'll tighten this up in, in post. <laughs> oh. Silent breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Okay, last time, where can people see Equus and get ticket information? Grove House in Fountain Square, go to Brown Paper Tickets or uh, to Facebook and look up Casey Ross Productions. All right, Brian, Erica, thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Sissy. Thank you, my best of the families. All right, go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. 